With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Just uh, less than 48 hours to go to the second test, with England, of course, having lost that first one in Brisbane. And, well, it's all to do for England. Uh, They've got to strike back in the day-night test at Adelaide. Simon, you're in Adelaide. What's the latest? Well, let's talk about the weather to start with. It was roasting hot when we arrived on Sunday. It rained on Monday, nice and warm on Tuesday. And the forecast is for it to get warmer as the week goes on. It's going to be really hot towards the end of the week. So it comes back to that whole thing. You know, England's tactics in the last test match, you know, do they play a spinner? Do they play five pace bowlers, including Ben Stokes and Joe Root to spin? So what do they do? If it is going to be roasting hot, you feel they need a, a frontline spinner. And Joe Root talking about that today, saying, you know, our inclination is to, to play a spinner. So is it going to be Leach? Is it going to be Best? Leach was mauled at the Gabba. Dominic Best played for the England Lions against Australia A. He took four for 80 in the first innings of 23 overs. In the second innings... Well, his figures were not particularly flattering, but, you know, one for 150 or whatever it was. So, you know, uh, do, do they go with Bess? Do they go with Leach? Do they play the five pace bowlers? Does Stuart Broad play? I mean, that's the other thing as well. Is everyone assuming that England are going to play Anderson and Broad? Well, it ain't necessarily so, because where does Stuart Broad fit in if they play a spinner? You know, what, what do they do? Who do they leave out? Anderson's going to play. Robinson's going to play. A spinner plays, and then suddenly you're, you're talking about Wokes versus Wood versus Broad. And and Wood was impressive in the last Test match. Wokes, not too bad. He's had a run out, and Broad hasn't played since early August. So it isn't quite as straightforward as it might seem. Oh, Anderson and Broad are bound to play in the Pink Ball Test match. Mm. And, of course, what also compounds it is that uh, you, one assumes England will be more competitive in this 
test match, and yet Australia have won every one of their day-night test matches at Adelaide. We'll hear, uh, interestingly, from uh, Michael Hussey in a bit, actually, on this podcast, because we had him in the virtual cricket club last night, very nobly. He got up at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> to speak to us uh, from Perth, where he wasn't supposed to be. He was supposed to be in Adelaide, which is why we set the time for 7.30am, and uh, he uh, suddenly was still at home in Perth, so he had to get up at five o'clock, and nobly he did, and he was brilliant. And you'll hear him in a few minutes on this podcast talking about uh, the, the first test and his thoughts on what will happen in the second test. But those are the stats, Simon, that Australia, for all their supposed vulnerability to the pink ball or uh, you know the day-night uh, kind of idea suiting foreign teams, particularly England, that isn't actually the case in, in terms of the results. No, they played day-night test matches in in Perth, in Brisbane and in Adelaide, and they've won the lot. And England have lost every single day-night test match that they played abroad. So you know, where is the evidence that suggests that the day-night match suits England? Well, Mike Hussey talks about that, and we'll, we'll hear from him on that in just a moment. Of course, Australia have their problems as well, or one or two problems. Uh, you know, Let's not be about the bush. They have lost Josh Hazelwood, which is a significant blow for them, you think. I mean, if you take Josh Hazelwood out of this Australian side, that you know, he is one of their key bowlers. We still don't know for certain about David Warner. You know, he had this blow on in the ribs, and he didn't bat, and he didn't field in, in the latter half of the, the Gabba Test match. You take Warner out, he made 95, you know, instrumental, or you know, partly instrumental in Australia's victories, you know, a key player, although he had a bit of luck. So, you know, there were one or two question marks around this Australian side as well. They, it may be they have to make a, a couple of changes, and th- those two changes you feel will help England a bit. Although Jai Richardson has been in, in, in very good form, and then Usman Khawaja comes in, presumably at the, at the top of the order, which is, you know, isn't ideal. It's not quite like for like, is it? No, sure. And and I think Hazelwood is is a massive loss. Uh, looking at the stats, for instance, uh, the, the time they bowled India out for 36, uh, he took half the wickets, uh, well, in fact, four, four out of, four out of the, uh, the 10. And um, it's interesting also, everyone assuming that the ball does the most under lights, and that's when you lose all your wickets. But actually, India, when they were bowled out for 36, that was during the day. It was sort of early afternoon, I think, from memory. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it isn't just being under lights. It's everything. It's everything about it. And also, I, I think probably the heat that, that, that is expected in Adelaide will, will also probably affect how the pink ball behaves. And as you say, probably induce the idea of a spinner, make that more more sensible. Yeah, and, and one other thing I've noticed as well is that you know the hours of play and the fading light is that it's a bit it's a bit like England actually. You know when when, when they you know play one day internationals in Durham, you know where it barely gets dark and the, and the lights are on for the second half of the innings, but it's mainly played in daylight. Actually, there isn't that much darkness. You, you know, you, it's not like in India where we sort of basically had half a day of of light and half a day of dark. It isn't really like that at all. You know. It, It'll be into the final session before it gets dark. And even then, there's a little bit of light in the sky. But we, we were here last time, and it was noticeable. There was a bit in it for the for the quicker bowlers in that twilight evening session. But having said that, from memory, it was a bit cooler last time when, when we were here. So, you know, there's that element to it as well. So lots of different variables. I tell you what, I think what we should do is hear from uh, Mike Hussey. Now, he talks about all sorts of things. 
He started, though, with Jai Richardson and what sort of bowler he is, because we'll probably get, we'll probably see him in the Australian side. Here is Mike Hussey on Jai Richardson. Firstly, Josh Hazelwood's a huge loss um, for Australia. He's just so consistent, relentless, really, with his lines and lengths that he bowls. Good pace. I think he's one of the best bowlers in the world for, for Test match cricket. So it's a big loss to start with. For Jai Richardson, he, he's a quality bowler, but he's a different type of bowler to Josh Hazelwood. He's shorter. He'd probably be just on six foot. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on his height, but he's more of a, um, a skiddy swing, swinger sort of bowler. Very skillful, can swing the ball both ways. Uh, decent pace as well. He'd be in the high 130s. Uh, I'm not sure what that is in, in, in your part of the world over there in England. But what's that? Probably high 80s. He'd be around there. So, so skiddy, good pace, can swing the ball both ways. Um, he's, he's been in really good form. So, so he's someone that's actually had a very good preparation coming into the Ashes. He had an opportunity to go and play the second half of the IPL uh, for Kings Eleven. chose not to go because he wanted to play the first class, start the first class season for Western Australia and, and put himself in the frame for the Ashes series. Performed really well for Western Australia. I think he's picked up a, a, a couple of five-wicket hauls um, to start the season in the first uh, probably two or three games. He's confident and, and he's a very skillful bowler. He's played a couple of test matches already in his career. He played one against Pakistan and, and he's also played against Sri Lanka. But yeah, he's, he's a great competitor. He'll just keep running in hard all day and um, really good athlete. So Australia, they'll, they'll be disappointed to lose Josh Hazelwood, no, no question about that. But, but I think they'll, they'll be pretty confident with the, uh, the replacement they've got in, in Jai Richardson. The other thing, Mike, which fascinates me about this Adelaide date night pink ball test match is that everyone's saying, or people are saying, that this is England's best chance. But if you look at the stats, Australia won every single day night test match they played at Adelaide and at Brisbane. And England have played three test matches with pink ball overseas and lost them all. So I don't understand the, I don't quite understand the logic of that at all. I mean, it's, it it's bizarre to me. Australia must be rubbing their hands again. We've got, oh, we got another pink ball day night test match. We've won all the rest. Let's win this one as well. Go 2-0 up. Well, I, th- I agree with you. You know, Australia really have got a good record in these pink ball test matches. It, it can come down to a lot, just timing, the timing of when you bat and, and getting the conditions right. I, I think a lot of Australians remember back to the last Ashes pink ball test when Jimmy Anderson had that spell, um, when he bowled with a new ball in sort of the, the night sort of period, and he had that ball swinging around corners. Now, England were well behind in that test match at that stage, but it was some of the most exhilarating swing bowling that, you know, we've ever seen in this country, you know. And, and I think that's what everyone remembers and is talking about and thinking, wow, if, you know, Jimmy Anderson gets that ball and he's, he gets it swinging around corners again, you know, Australia's going to be in trouble. But th- this is what I mean. Like, it, it's all about timing when, when you're sort of bowling. And, and, and this is where it, it, it makes this test match sort of quite fascinating is that um, if you get the luck right, or the luck goes your way and you find yourself bowling with a brand new ball at night time, that, that's when you can, um, you know, really do some damage. But it's about trying to contrive contrive things to, to, to make yourself be bowling at that stage. Now, I know in Sheffield Shield games that have been day-nighters at the Adelaide Oval, teams that bat first generally bat okay, but they'll, they'll try and declare with about 10 overs to go, at, you know, in that nighttime session. So they have the opportunity to bowl. Um, under lights with a new ball and try and take three or four late wickets to, to get themselves ahead of the game. Test match cricket's a little bit tougher like that, you know. Um, you know, it's a it's a brave captain to try and declare, you know, when you know there's probably plenty more runs to be had, um, but but trying to take an advantage. So, so this is where the tactical side of the game will really come in, and, and it'll be interesting to see what both captains do, uh, whether they do try and take advantage of, of the better bowling conditions. But um, I, I think in 
for a lot of Australians in their head, all they can remember is Jimmy Anderson bowling that ball, swinging around corners to Steve Smith and, and Usman Khawaja when they had no idea. And, and that's why I think the, you know, the, the, the commentary is all about, um, you know, these conditions are really going to suit England. The other thing as well is the weather forecast for this week, which is good. And that's, that's encouraging. We had some rain yesterday in Adelaide, but apparently at the end of the week, it's going to be absolutely roasting hot. Like, you know, talking about 35, 40. So that's Friday. That'd be the second day of the game. Does that influence team selection? I'm thinking of spinner, you know, often, you know, sometimes I've seen a really cracked uh, Adelaide pitch fourth, fifth day, but is it, is it going to get there because of the pink ball? I mean, there's quite a lot to, to weigh up for, well, specifically for Joe Root, because I'm in mean, Australia, going to obviously play Nathan Lyon, who's a quality bowler. Yeah, the, the Adelaide pitch is actually now one of the fastest in the country as well. It, it used to be a magnificent batting pitch, not not too quick, and then break up as the test match wore on. Um, that They were for the, uh, the day test matches. Um, but it's a, it's a drop-in now. And um, the ground staff in Adelaide, uh, they're up there with the best in the world, the way they prepare that pitch. The conditions there are magnificent, but but they've got a really hard, fast, bouncy pitch now. Yeah, you know, I, I remember seeing some stats last year saying, it, yeah, it's, it's up there with the Gabba, um, with that, with its pace and bounce. So it'll be interesting to see the, the, the selections. I, I think it was quite telling and, and a definite plan from Australia in the first test to, to really attack uh, Leach. That, 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 that was a clear plan. As soon as he came on, every single time, every, every batsman went hard at him to try and almost hit him out of the attack and, and make Joe Root bring back his other faster bowlers um, more regularly than probably what he wanted to. So I think there'll be some interesting discussions in the English camp about whether they can afford to play uh, Jack Leach again. Do they back him in? I still think a, a better balanced attack is, does have a, a top quality spinner in there. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure which way England will go. I, I think, yeah, as you say, if there's going to be some hot weather and the pitch looks pretty good, it'll be dangerous just to go in them with an all-seam attack. Plus, I guess that means that someone like Joe Root has to bowl spin, and that, that's okay. He's, he's, a, he's a handy spinner, but I wouldn't want to take away – I wouldn't want to have him having to bowl, I don't know, 15 overs and take away from his batting. His batting is going to be so important. So I'd, I'd like to – stick with Leach, you know, um, but but it was telling that the Australians, you know, were very, very proactive against him. Do the dimensions of the ground, where it's quite short, square of the wicket, does that affect whether you play a spinner? Because, you know, I guess it, with the modern players these days, a chip for six over mid-wicket, especially to the left-handers, is sort of almost all in, in all of their repertoires. Do you think it makes a spinner's job a bit harder at Adelaide because of that? I wouldn't not pick a spinner because the boundaries are slightly shorter on the on, on, on the square sides of the ground. It, it, they've actually extended the ground a little bit since they redeveloped the ground a few years ago, um, that they have actually made the ground a little bit wider. So, oh. so the, the boundaries aren't that short anymore. Um, it's still very long straight, and, and that works into the spinners in, in uh, favour as well. Having said that, they do seem to bring the boundaries in a lot. I was looking up there at the Gabba, and the boundary, the boundary rope was a good more than 10 metres in from, from the fence. So it's, it's amazing how, how small the ground looked in that first test match. So, yeah, I, I, I think someone like Nathan Lyon, he enjoys bowling at Adelaide, that the pitch can deteriorate, um, especially if there's going to be some hot weather. And, and he's had success bowling in Adelaide with the pink ball as well. Uh, I don't know how much success, but he certainly, I think back to a test match against India, he, he might've got seven wickets in uh, to, to help Australia win the game. And that might, that might've even been a day test match. I can't really remember, but, I, I, I know, 
basically, short answer is no. I, I'd still pick the spinner, even though you know the boundary is perceived a bit short on the on, on the square side. What's been the the reaction since you've been back home in Perth? Is it sort of oh god, here we go again, five nil? Or I mean, are, are people kind of quite happy about that, or do they actually want to see a contest, or what? I mean, what's the the general view from the Aussie side? Oh, I, I definitely think everyone wants to see a great contest. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you're always going to get the people out there that are, are going to be, oh yeah, five nil England are rubbish, blah blah blah. But I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I still think there's plenty to happen in this series. It was a fascinating first Test match. It really was. I, I do think the fears we had about England um, it, coming into the series uh, sort of did hold true. Um, we, we're, the concerns over here were English top order, you know, inexperienced top order in Australian conditions. How were they going to handle it? Now, I thought Hamid actually handled himself pretty well in the, in the first test. He, he looked good. You know, he, he really sort of uh, gutsed it out and um, showed he had a good temperament for test cricket. But it, it did look a bit shaky up there at the top. I think Stokes being so underdone and, and it's not going to be easy for him just to walk straight back into an Ashes cauldron and, and dominate, um, having so little cricket behind him. I, I think that, you know, that sort of probably probably showed as well. You know, it, it, it'd be interesting to see how long it took him to get up to speed as well. But, um, yeah, the middle order still looks pretty strong. You know, Joe Root, you know, he batted beautifully. I, I think the seam attack looks pretty good. Spin is a little bit of a concern for me as well. You know, the, the, the Aussies' tactics of really going hard at Leach sort of um, – he, he didn't really have much impact in the game at all, if any. So, I know I think there's still concerns. You probably summed it up pretty well earlier on when you just sort of said, I, I look at both teams on paper and pound, pound for pound, you sort of think, Ugh, Australia do look the better team on paper. But, um, but I think generally speaking, we want to see a great contest. And um, I, I want to see Stokes at his best. I want to see Joe Root make 100 on Australian soil and, and sort of, you know, get that monkey off his back as well. I, I, I want to see – I'm disappointed Joffre Archer isn't here. I would have loved to have seen Joffre Archer against the Australian batters, you know, to see see how they sort of handle him. He, he's something special. So, you know, I, I, I want to see a great contest, yeah. Do you think um, Steve Smith hasn't been quite the same since the, the Joffre Archer sort of spell at Lords? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. There's something not right, but, I mean – we're going on Steve Smith, you know, uh, averaging something like 80 in that during yeah. that period in Test cricket. So you're not going to be able to play like that forever. But no, but you're right. It, it would it does shake you up if if you do get a really nasty blow. It, it does put that little seed of doubt in in your mind. And we've seen teams since then really go hard with the short stuff to Steve Smith. You know, New Zealand came to Australia and literally just bounced the living daylights out of him, and he he didn't find a way to to, to beat it. So. I don't know. There's certainly something. Yeah, it's not as easy for Steve Smith just to go out there and peel off those runs. Whether that actual blow has affected him, I'm not sure. Because if you think he he was, I think he scored a double hundred at, at Old Trafford. You know, just a couple of Test matches after that blow. So mm. I, I don't know. You can argue for him. He's probably the best one to answer, and he, and he won't answer it uh, truthfully until his career's over. But but I do know that it does create that seed of doubt in your mind when you have had a nasty blow to your head. I got to know him a bit in the IPL. I was around the Rajasthan Royals team for, for a couple of weeks. And uh, I don't know, I, I just sort of sensed that there's something almost a bit sort of skittish about his batting now. Whereas before, obviously, he's always had that sort of odd eccentricity and funny little mannerisms and routines and stuff. But I, I feel now there's even they're even more exaggerated or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and it'll be interesting to ask Steve Smith probably when his career's over. Because yeah. <laughs> he won't answer it truthfully now. No. Yeah. 
because I watched Ricky Ponting and, and all his career, and he was so good against the short ball. But he mm. got hit by Kemar Roach at the Wacker. I thought exactly the same thing. It was sort of at the back end of his career, and I'd never seen Ricky get hit like that before. He actually got hit on the elbow or the wrist or something, and he was never the same after that. Uh, and, and it was really bizarre to watch someone that I obviously admire so much and was so such a great player against the short ball. But yeah, he he, he was skittish after that. You know, it's 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 an interesting sort of thing. So Steve Smith then, Yoz, he did make that double hundred after he'd been hit by Joffre Archer at Lords. But your sense is that he's not quite the player he was. There's all doubts in his mind, or you know, or is it just one of those things that all batters go through a, sort of a down period in their career? And of course, the other thing as well, he hasn't played that much red ball cricket this year, so it's, it's sort of hard to judge in a way. So it feels as though he's had a bit of an in-out year because you know he played in the World T20, didn't he? But he, you know, he's not really. I mean, he's against all the big hitters, he's not right up there, is he? So in, in a way, other players inevitably overshadowed him in, in that tournament. Mm. I mean, the whole thing with Steve Smith is so complicated because he started out as a T20 player in a way. I mean, that was where he made his name, playing for the Rajasthan Royals in the IPL in sort of 2011, 2012, and he was a brilliant finisher coming in at sort of six and seven and you know maybe bowling occasional leg spin. And then... He sort of had a transformation in 2014, 2015, where he became this absolutely elite batsman who couldn't stop scoring runs. And, you know, his average was second to Bradman and still is pretty close to being second to Bradman, if not still still second to Bradman in, in terms of his test match average. I, I, I suppose, you know, that was a, a really nasty injury he sustained against Jofra at Lords and a, a really... Uh, terrifying spell of bowling when he did come back at Old Trafford he did make that double hundred and then he made some runs in the second innings as well but if you remember it was quite a it was even for Steve Smith it was eccentric with sort of falling uppercuts and you know his body was going all over the place he was going outside off stump and miles outside leg stump and falling over backwards and I I don't know ever since then I've just sort of noticed he, he looks a bit more edgy than ever at the crease and clearly you know also teams are focused on how to get him out they've tried different tactics he's obviously a bit like probably sort of someone like Jonathan Trott in 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 the past you know where Jonathan Trott felt he he owed his team 50 every time he batted because that was his average and that caused his own stress Smith it, it may be feeling a bit the same he's got this incredible record and it, it just Trying to maintain it is so difficult with everybody, every bowler in the world gunning for you and all these kind of different field settings and strategies and so on. It just must put you on edge. Then, you, as you say, he hasn't had much test cricket either since January, nothing apart from the Brisbane test, playing a bit of one-day cricket where he's never given himself any chance to really get in. He's played shots from the ball one and I, I just don't think he's found his batting rhythm again. Um, he may find it. But it just feels to me like there have been so many little issues around getting him out and his technique and that issue against um, Jofra Archer that it's playing on his mind and he's not playing his natural game. So cure Steve Smith double hundred at the Adelaide Oval then in, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> in the next few days. But actually what was interesting, I mean, England did come up with a very specific tactic against 
Steve Smith in the last Test match. They had a 5-4 onside field. They, they went with it. They stuck with it for the pace bowlers. They had the leg slip in and they had the short leg and they had the forward square leg and they had the, 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 you know, the mid-wicket fielder in and the fine leg and just four on the offside, a couple of slips and, and two saving one. And they, they went with it. And So it, what will be fascinating to see if he does stay in for a while, if he does get in, because he didn't really get in in, in, the, in the Gabba Test match. If he does get in, what England will do, whether they, will, whether they do have a plan B or a, or a plan C um, for Smith. Mm. What, in the situation of the game and, and, the, and the series, Yoz, um, I mean, England are in danger here. I mean, 2-0 down. If it does go to form, type, whatever, with, with day-night test matches, 2-0 down with three to play. I mean, England have to, you know, have to win all three test matches to, to regain the Ashes. I mean, do you, do you see a way back for them in this series? I mean, does this feel like, I suppose the question I'm asking really, is does this feel like a must-win game for them? I think it does, yeah. Totally, for two reasons. One, to get the scoreline back to one all, and secondly, to restore their own belief in themselves, because if, in a way, despite the stats, if they don't win in Adelaide, they'll start to question whether they can win anywhere, and they haven't won too many games this year anyway, have they? And I just feel that it's it's a golden opportunity. You've got to strike back. It's a bit like tennis, isn't it? I always remember Tim Henman saying, actually, that when you lose a, a, a set, you've got to strike back straight away. You've got to get the first game of the next set to get your own momentum going. And it sort of does, it do, it does feel like that. Otherwise, it, you know, demoralisation sets in and, and you know, it just it's so deflating to be 2-0 down. And, well, go on, you're going to tell me now, no one has ever come back from 2-0 down in the Ashes, presumably. <laughs> well, uh, that that off the top of my head, I don't know. What I was going to say was, you're absolutely right. England's record this year has been pretty wretched, hasn't it? They won one of their last ten Test matches, but every now and again they pull out something, don't they? And they did. They did in the first Test match. Remember in Chennai against India, one of their great overseas victories, actually, uh, when Joe Root made th those big runs in the first innings and Dom Sibley dug in and Jimmy Anderson bowled that amazing over towards the end of the game where he picked up, you know, a couple of wickets. And then, of course, after they'd lost. Uh, to India in the test match at Lords, they came back gloriously at, at Headingley to, to, to win by an innings. So it, it's in there, isn't it? I think that's the thing. If they pay, if they play at the sort of peak of their powers, they can cause problems. And they've done that twice this year with two thrilling victories, one away to India and, and one at home to India. The problem is, is they're not consistent enough to do it over the sort of whole of a, of a series. And I think that's going to be their issue in this series. But I think somewhere along the line, they could get, you know, they could win a game because they have, and they showed in flashes, there were just moments, weren't there, at the Gabba when they, when they batted in the second innings. You know, when, when they bowled at times, they put Australia under pressure. But they had such a wretched first day, really, or such a first sort of wretched day and a half, really, mm. that... You know, they, they were sort of out of the game before they played well, before they started to play well. So that, those are the issues. You know, can they put it all together? We've seen them do it this year, but we've seen them be unpicked a lot. I think that's that's one of the problems. And, they, you know, they played three good sides this year, haven't they? They played India twice, very, very good side. And they played New Zealand and they played Australia. So, you know, they're play, they are playing the top. They have played this year the top teams in international cricket, the one side who are not right at the top this year. They played Sri Lanka and they dispatched them. No, no trouble at all. So they're, you know, they're perfectly okay with that sort of middle lower tier, but that top tier, uh, they've really, they really struggled with. And it, it does feel now or never. It does feel for the sort of tour. Mike Hussey was saying that there. You know, he wants to see good cricket, good competitive cricket. And I think that's what we all crave, really. So the, you know, the big players need to 
really make an impact. You know, Stokes, Anderson, straight back into the side. You know, they need to make an impact, and you know, with help from the others as well. You know, runs at the top of the order, for example, mm. that that will make a a huge difference. I think in the in the next uh, few massively days. vital that they they make runs, as you say, top of the order. Uh, they've got to you know withstand that new ball and I mean give England some foundation. But in the end, summing up what you said, the three lions and more need to roar because otherwise it's going to be one-way traffic to ignominy. Well, it all starts on Thursday morning. It's a, a 4 a.m. start. So the first session sort of probably when most people are asleep, but then the next two sessions in our time zone, if right or right, in the UK time zone. So people will be able to follow the, the action. And you know, I'm sure people will, will wake up on Thursday morning with, with fingers crossed, hoping... Uh, for better, it was all. What was it at the Gabba? It was one day good, three days bad. Uh, to sort of slightly paraphrase or misquote George Orwell from Animal Farm, and it needs to be th- you know three days, four days good, doesn't it? Really, if England are to get back in this series, we'll be reviewing each of the day's play in the Adelaide Test match uh, after play has finished. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Please join us uh, during the Adelaide game. And, uh, well, who knows, we might be able to bring England supporters some good news. But clearly Australia favourites to do it again with the pink ball. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.